The reading is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 40 to 56, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. They were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people were crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all of the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They all laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Let's pray before I start my sermon. Father God, we want to hear from you today. We want to have a deeper understanding of this Bible passage and I pray that you will take the preparation I've done and that you will breathe your life into it and that as people hear the words I say that they will hear you saying it to them. Amen. So an interesting uh, passage, it's actually two stories intertwined together. We've got the um, the lady who had been bleeding for 12 years and we've got a 12-year-old girl. I don't think I'd ever realised that they both had something to do with tw a period of 12 years. That I found quite an interesting fact. Well, we're going to mainly focus on the woman who was bleeding. Now, it feels a bit strange talking about things like women bleeding in church but when we read the Bible, we see in lots of places that real earthy, down-to-earth um, down things are spoken about quite openly. When we read the laws in the Old Testament, there's definitely lots of conversation about uh, women bleeding and sexual acts and all sorts of things that we don't generally want to think about when we're sitting in church with other people. But here we go. Let's look at this woman. To be, an out, to be a woman who was bleeding in, back in the days of the first um, 
or back when Jesus was on earth and for many, many years before that, always made a woman unclean. It says it quite clearly in the laws in Leviticus that while a woman is bleeding, anything they touch becomes unclean. If they touch people, the other person is unclean and they only stop being unclean when they stop bleeding. So for most women, that would be roughly seven days a month. For this poor woman, every day for 12 years. That made her definitely an outcast and probably treated in similar ways to people that were lepers at the time. She couldn't touch anything. She had to be totally isolated. Now, we've had some concept of what that means over this pandemic. And if we compare the time periods, we haven't had to live with restrictions for even two years yet. And just think how we've struggled. And yet this woman had major restrictions in her life. She couldn't go and worship. She uh, couldn't go to visit friends. She was just totally isolated. And she saw no end to that experience until she hears that Jesus is around and discovers that Jesus can heal people. So she finds out where he's going to be and travels to wherever that is. I read something that says she traveled 30 miles. I've no idea how that writer got that figure. But certainly she was probably not in her home area because as she joined the crowd that were touching, that were around Jesus, it doesn't seem as if she was recognized by anybody. And I would imagine that in her home area, people would have known that she was someone to stay away from, someone not to go too close to in case they were contaminated. Now, if we come back to the other part of the story, Jesus is in that town and Jairus, who was one of the leading people in the uh, temple there, comes to Jesus, kneels before him and says, please come and heal my daughter. She's 12 and she's dying. But then Jesus says he will go and visit, but then he's inter- there's an interruption The woman comes and because of her situation, she doesn't kneel in front of Jesus. She fights through the crowd to get near to Jesus. Now, we haven't had many opportunities to be in big crowds lately, but we can all remember what it's like. When I was thinking about this, I thought back to the Queen's Silver Jubilee. Now, I know quite a lot of you weren't born at that stage in life, but... Um, there, were a, there was a very big firework display that took part, I think it was, took place, I think it was in Hyde Park in London. And I was still living at home with my family. I think I was, I don't know, about 17, 18 at the time. And we traveled up to Hyde Park to see this firework display. And I still reckon it was the best one I've ever seen in my life. Now, it went on quite late. 
And if you imagine, people had been arriving at the park at all different times during the day. But when the event ended, everybody, literally everybody, headed to the nearest tube station because they wanted to go home. It was late at night. That got scary. I clung on to my mum or dad's hand, I can't remember who, probably my dad, and literally the four of us, me and my sister, my mum and dad, we held each other so that we stayed together. And we fought our way to the station, and when we got there, they'd closed it because of the crowds. We walked quite a long distance, but eventually got home. But that, I think, is the scariest crowd I've ever been in. You might not have been in a crowd where you felt scared, but I'm sure every single one of you has been in a big crowd. So this poor woman, we don't even know what her name is, she manages to squeeze through the crowd, and amazingly enough, she manages to get very close to Jesus. Now, anyone that's been to a pop concert or anything like that, or knows there's someone famous around and you want to try and get to them to be near them we know how hard that is and yet she managed to get so close to him that she could reach out and touch his prayer shawl now the the Jewish men of the time and even many Jewish men in this day and age they wore a prayer shawl that was basically white and it had tassels at either end and it would have a blue thread that went through the scarf and the corner tassel on each end had the blue thread going through it. And that was there to remind them that they needed to keep all of the 630 laws, I think it is, that are in the Old Testament. So it was a visual reminder to them. Now this woman managed to touch one of those corner tassels. I don't know what she thought was going to happen, but she had the faith to do that because she had tried literally everything and nothing had worked. She had spent all her money on weird things that doctors of the time had asked her to do one of which was to uh, stand in a gully in the ground and burn some grape plants and drink a glass of wine. And that was recommended as a treatment. Now, to us in the 21st century, that sounds absolutely bonkers, doesn't it? But that was the kind of thing that they were being asked to do. She had done everything she'd been asked to do and was still suffering, still living in that awful situation. And I'm sure she wasn't the only woman around like that. Now this, um, the version of the story that we read today was actually written by Luke who was a doctor. So he knew that she had literally tried everything that was physically possible except for going to Jesus. Jesus was literally the only person 
that she could go to and be healed. If she hadn't found out about Jesus, she would have been like that for the rest of her life. So she had enough faith to believe that all human hope had gone. There was no hope left in her heart except for touching Jesus. And she even had the faith to believe, if I just touch his clothing, that that is going to work. And straight away, as it says in the passage, she knew that the bleeding had stopped. And Jesus knew that something had happened. Now, once again, that seems a bit strange to us. You know, how did he know that when he was surrounded by people, all knocking into him, and, you know, I'm sure many of them had touched his arm and his side and, you know, just being in a crowd, that's what happened. He knew that power had gone from him and that someone had been healed. He could have just thought, okay, great, someone is healed. I know what's happened. The person knows what's happened. Let them go on their way. No, she had a shameful condition. But then he says, who touched me? Now, it seems a bit like a shameful thing to do for her to have to say, "Um, excuse me, it was me. So why did he do it? You know, first when I first read it, I thought, oh, Jesus, that's a bit cruel, you know, to name someone for doing something like that. But he did it because he wanted her to have complete healing. She was physically healed, but he wanted her to be free, totally free of all the guilt, all the shame everything that she had suffered from during that long period of time. He didn't want her faith to just be an anonymous thing. She could now, without any hint of shame, go to people and say, Jesus has healed me, I am clean. And because of that, Under the law, if she had just touched Jesus, he would have become unclean as well. And would have to go through a process to be made clean again. But because Jesus is God, he was able to do further healing, as I've said, which meant he wasn't made unclean either. A wonderful um, reaction that had taken place. And as I say, Jesus was the only person there that could have done it. It must have been a sight to behold. I do wonder what the, um, the people there thought. I know we read, don't we, that the disciples were saying, well, of course, Jesus, someone's touched you. You know, anyone we look at around here has touched you. They really didn't have a clue what was going on. It followed on this incident not so long after Jesus came in the storm when the disciples didn't really have a clue what was going on. When Jesus had cast out demons from a man um, after they'd been on a, 
a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee. They weren't too sure what was happening there. They really did not know what was going on, but they were learning. And Jesus was able to teach them through that. Now, as I said a little while ago, her faith came about because she'd lost all human hope of being healed. Are any of us like that? Have we gone through or going, are we going through a situation where we think, oh God, when is this going to end? I've tried so many things to prevent this from going on further. I've tried so many medications. I've been to different doctors. I've asked lots of people for help. And I'm still going through this particular experience. It doesn't have to be a physical illness. It can be anything that we encounter in life. Now, I'm pretty certain that with the number of us in here today, that there are going to be people who come into that category. And I'm not going to ask you to say who you are. But each of us knows where we are in relation to God. And each of us knows if we are losing all human hope in a situation. You see, one of the things for us living in um, Great Britain is that we have so much available to us. And we get a bit relaxed or um, we don't exercise faith as much as we would if we lived in some other places in the world. And it is literally for us when we lose all human hope of anything that many of us first of all turn to God for help. If you've ever been to a third world country, you discover that Christians there, their faith level is so much higher and stronger than ours. I've seen it in Uganda. I've seen it in Ukraine, which isn't really a third world country. But compared to us, it, is, it might as well be. I've learned so much about faith from people that I've seen in those countries, people that I've shared time with. And yet I've come back to this country after the trips I've done abroad. And, you know, all fired up. Yes, I'm going to, my faith is going to be stronger. But of course we relax back into where we are. Let's resolve today to be people that do go to God first with our request for prayer rather than waiting until it's the only hope we've got. Maybe we might see more people being healed, more people being set free. Changes going on in lives. Let's give it a try and see how we get on. Because God isn't going to let us down. Now, I came across a lovely description of Jesus as I was looking at ideas and inspiration for what to um, say today. 
And I would just like to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to read it to you because it gives a lovely picture of Jesus. Jesus is just a Jewish man with splinter-toughened carpenter's hands. Yet mysteriously within his human frame is packed all the power of the creator of the cosmos. Paul's beautiful passage in Philippians 2 reminds us that Jesus made himself nothing, becoming like a servant, made in human likeness. Yet he was in very nature God. These same hands that had chiseled wood could unfurl a banquet for thousands from a small picnic parcel or sweep away the scars of dreaded skin diseases. The gentlest touch of his fingertips could fire up blind retinas. With one nod of his head and gesture to draw from a giant water jar, he could supply Chateau Cana Special Reserve. The soles of his feet could stun the water molecules of Lake Galilee into totally un-Newtonian behavior. And one word of rebuke from his lips could silence a catastrophic weather system or quell the madness of a disturbed spirit. And today, just a hopeful fingertip touch on the edge of his cloak has healed a hidden but debilitating disease. And what a wonderful way to think of Jesus. Because it's very tempting to just think Jesus was a man walking around. And that's just a few of the things he did because he was God as well. Let's hold on to that when we think of Jesus. Think of what he did and he walked on earth. And know that he can do even more for us now. So, do you need to come close and touch Jesus today? Have you come to understand that whether you're lost in sin or whether you're battling difficulty, Jesus is your answer? If you've reached the place where all other remedies have failed, all other means have exhausted themselves, and you need help right now, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. You know, in that crowd that day, there were dozens of people with physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. But only one lady got any help. Dozens touched Jesus, but only one was transformed. Why? Because only one saw him as her only source. She believed he could help her, and she did whatever she had to do to touch him. When she touched him, she was made whole. Don't be one of those people who brush up against Jesus this morning and leave unchanged. If you need help, look to him. He has the power to change your situation. 
if you need help, get to him and touch him by faith. Will you come to him if you're a bit lost? Will you come to him, the one who is hurting? Whatever the need, he is a need meeting God. Just do as he would have you do today.